welcome. This is Erica. I'm just so joyful that you're joining with me today because uh, my next guest is amazing. He is a world traveler. He, I think he was born in South Africa, if I recall, and his name is Trevor Romaine. He's written amazing books, both for children, but I think really adults can really like them also. And uh, travels all over, speaks and um, inspires. One of your books actually, Trevor, uh, reminds me of The Little Prince. So welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. How are you today? Thank you very much. I, uh, you know, I woke up this morning and I was alive. So, uh, so I'm feeling great. And in fact, if I start whining, I deserve a slap upside the head because um, <laughs> uh, I, am, I, am, I am lucky to be here. And, and uh, you know, I'm, I, uh, I'm, I'm enjoying every moment of uh, being around. So that's, that's a good thing. You know, one of the things when I meet creatives and I look at all the books you've done and all the works that you're always doing is maybe just share with our audience, like how you get into that space, like how you get into that zone where you're writing books. I know you do a lot of work actually in the world with children, but tell me a little bit about that creative spark. Um, you know, one of the fun things for me is that, that I get to illustrate my own books as well, which is really, especially writing children's books is a lot of fun. Uh, but the, the way I got into creativity and, and illustrating and writing is when I was at school, I struggled. I am dyslexic. I struggle with ADD. But yet I've written 50 books in 22 languages, you know, and people are like, well, how, how did you manage? Well, creativity saved me and it still does. And so this is what- this I love is what, that. I love that. You know, I just got chills. I think, I remember I tried in all of 2000, let me see if I get the years right. So in 2014, I had one book that I worked on all year and, and I couldn't seem to make it work. Like it, it was like taking me forever. And in 2015, I did 13 books. <laughs> It was infinitely easier to do, to like be on fire than to like try to keep make myself going against myself. I don't know. Talk about that a little bit. That was fascinating. Yeah, you, you uh, for me, what I do is I, I allow myself a short amount of time every day to work on a creative project uh, so that it's not overwhelming. But what invariably what happens is that I expand on that and then I will find myself working for two or three hours if I were just going to do 10 minutes. But I just wanted to get back to something a little earlier that, that I was talking about. And that is so saving myself through creativity at school. You see, I uh, cannot remember anything. Uh, facts, uh, regurgitating history, that kind of stuff at school was terrible. And I devised a way that worked for me. So if I had to remember for argument's sake, uh, when uh, a ship landed in Cape Town, South Africa, where I was born, uh, in history. So I would draw a little stick figure ship and I'd put the, the, the date 1652 or whenever it was, I would draw a little black border around it and put it in my mental Rolodex. Now, a mental Rolodex, now Rolodex is something, never mind, from the last century. But what I did was when the teacher would say, when did this ship arrive? What was the date? I flipped through and I could see that drawing as clear as day. Wow. I would never remember the facts and figures. And that's how I got through school. I still to this day, when I make a list, I do a little visual list because I can remember the drawings. And I also found 
I started volunteering many, many years ago with terminally ill children. Uh, so I would go to the hospital and work with, with kids with cancer. And they called me the doctor of mischief, which was a, which was a great title. And uh, I even have a lab coat that says doctor of mischief on it. But what I would do with kids is we would sit and we would draw what they were feeling. So we'd say, hey, what are you feeling? What does it look like? What does what what your feeling right now look like? And my goodness, I found that once we put that stuff on a little piece of paper, it opened so many doors. And I that's love how, it. That's Thank how I start, so my, much. Yeah. I start my creative journeys like that every day. I will sit with a blank piece of paper and I'll say, okay, universe, uh, CEO, uh, what, 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 what should I put down today? And it comes. comes you know, I have a question for you around that, that, you know, that critical mind. And obviously if you had learning disabilities and it was challenging, you know, with, um, the different ways that your brain worked compared to how other people's brains worked, um, how do we overcome that? that sort of self-doubt or that negative self-talk, uh, it seems like to honor the creative spirit or honor our creations. Absolutely. So here's the thing. So I, I, was, I sat in the corner at school a lot. I used to doodle. I doodled all the time because I cannot concentrate unless I'm doodling. My business partner <laughs> will tell everybody when I'm not doodling, he knows I'm not listening to what is going on in the meeting. So sometimes he'll say to me, you're not doodling. So I'm like, oh, geez, I better doodle. But <laughs> what, what happened was that when I, was, uh, when I went into high school, I wanted to, to go to art school because I thought, thought I was an artist and I did little, little drawings. They weren't very good, but I enjoyed them. And the art teacher told me I wasn't talented enough. So I stopped drawing for 15 years years because oh I believed somebody who told me I wasn't talented enough. Right. And then, and then I started sending off uh, when I was in my 30s because I had my first book published uh, when I was 32 or 33. So I uh, sent off some stuff, kept on getting rejections from publishers. And the way I turned it around was that I got pissed. I wanted to prove them wrong because I decided who were they to judge whether my work was good enough or not. And I had the amazing experience one day of sitting at a publisher, Harper Collins, who, was doing, who did one of my children's books. And I was sitting in reception and I saw the receptionist and she had a pencil stuck in, in her hair and she was chewing gum really loudly and she was going through manuscripts and there were two piles. She was putting one on one pile, one on the other. And when I asked her what she was doing, she said, oh, she is the first line of looking at manuscripts to see whether they go forward to an editor. And that changed my whole creative world for me because I realized- so Pause for a second on that, Trevor. Um, I just wanna pause really on that because there's a lot of my listeners are authors. And I just wanna draw attention to what he's sharing with if we look at letting the gatekeeper be the one, be the one that controls our creative flow. Like that's yes. a really big point. It, so it I just a, wanted to yeah. kind of pause that for a sec and just shine light on that. Um, it's an amazing story. I don't yeah. doubt it. And as a publisher myself, um, I know that it's important to be honoring of someone's work, whether or not I'm going to publish it or not. <laughs> oh, oh, absolutely. And, you know, um, I, I, I understand fully that they get thousands of submissions. <clears throat> But what it did for me was make me realize, <clears throat> excuse me, 
that somebody's opinion does not mean that your work is not good or is not valid or shouldn't be published. Love it. And what it made me do was, uh, there's a saying that, that sort of came out of that, that, that I, I try and say to myself every day, and it's written on my wall at home. Don't let somebody else dim your light simply because it's shining in their eyes. Right. And that for me is, is, is a powerful thing. And, and that, that changed everything. Cause then I realized, you know what? I got to keep on submitting, keep on sending, because if one person doesn't like it, it doesn't mean another. Can I does. ask you about Under the Big Sky? Yes, my favorite. That one just looks so beautiful. Can you just talk about that book a little bit? Under the Big Sky was 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 my one of my still is one of my favorite books, and and basically the story is that uh, a young boy is searching for the secret of life because his grandfather told him that if he comes back to his grandpa with the secret of life, then he can have all the grandpa's riches. Mm. So the little boy goes on a journey to look for the secret of life. And the first, first thing he comes across is a ladder. And he says to the ladder, excuse me, can you see the secret of life up there? And the ladder said, nope, never heard of that. But always remember, the higher you climb, the harder you can fall. <laughs> the little boy is confused and he moves along and he, you know, he comes upon a tree and he says, can you see the secret of life from up there? And the tree says, I've never heard of that, but always remember to keep your roots firmly planted in the ground because the wind of change is going to try and blow you down. And eventually, after going through all these um, people or, or objects that he meets, he finally comes back to his grandpa and he says, Grandpa, I traveled the world. I got a master's degree. I studied all kinds of stuff, but I, I have not found the secret of life. And I'm sorry. Uh, you know, I would have liked to have had all your riches. And the grandpa says, oh, you did. You found the secret of life. And the boy says, what? He goes, yes, your journey itself was the secret of life. And you can have all my riches. And the boy says, oh, wow, that's great. Uh, what, what are they? What do you have? And he goes, under the big sky. That's where they all are. So you got my riches on your journey. So basically, it's about the secret of life is the journey of life and not looking for that, that uh, little whatever it is yeah. over the hill that you can't quite see yet. If someone is like, like if someone is blocked, like, so I have this gift where I can sort of like perceive my guests' questions in my head. Like the people who are listening, I can sort of like, they pop into my, I've been a news reporter forever. So I get these questions and I always know, like, so I'm getting someone maybe saying, I've had like a story inside me or I've had something, but I don't know where to start. Like, how can I start? Oh, that's, that's such a great question because <laughs> I have that on a daily basis. <laughs> but uh, but what, I, what I've learned to do is a few things. First of all, um, before I, I write or draw any morning, I just do a, it, it's just a five minute um, breathing exercise, which is very interesting because this is what uh, Navy SEALs do as well. Uh, this is also what I, I, I've heard uh, a, a lot of writers do. And it's, and it's, a, it's a four by four breathing. So what you do is you breathe in for a count of four, you hold for a count of four, you breathe out for a count of four, and you hold for a count of four. It's a meditation. It's just a very simple centering. And I found it takes the noise out of my head. Nice. I, I, um, the, does the noise in my head bother you? <laughs> no. no. Well, I, I have a very noisy head, and that helps, that, that, that helps me... Um, <laughs> It helps me balance. I love that question. <laughs> I was just wondering because it's really loud in here. 
but uh, but then what I do after I do that meditation, which which just quietens me down, and I have some friends who are who who are like, oh man, I'm not not into spirituality, man. I'm like, no, that is breathing. <laughs> That's just getting yourself relaxed. And then I I, I have this uh, thing where I set myself only get this ten minutes a day to work on new stuff. So when I sit down in the morning with my little cup of tea and I say, okay, I've got 10 minutes. I just want to write down some ideas. And because it's such a short amount of time and because it's not overwhelming, I find that I can say, oh, I've I've got 10 minutes. I don't have to spend five hours trying to write or draw. And I jot down just a few things that start coming to mind. And normally that's what uh, the universe wants me or that's me opening up to the channel that my creativity most of the time is. Because I have found, interestingly enough, when I write for what I think people want, it never works. Never Ever. works. Ever. Never works. When I look at the, when I look at the market, works. never. I look at the market and say, oh, you know, there needs to be a, there needs to be a book about kindness. I mean, then I start writing and it's like, uh-uh. Oh, the shoulds. They don't work. It's so funny. I have experienced that myself. When I come up with an idea that really seems a bit off and very very like non sequitur and how how who am i to write about that and when i start getting those ideas i pretty much know i'm on track <laughs> yeah so so the, so for me um getting rid of the block is just having that little routine that i do because what it does is it sets me up it my body knows i'm sitting down and i also always write in the same place i always do my little drawings in my same little space because as I sit down, my body knows, oh, okay, this dude's about to uh, open the door of the mind and let the stuff out. And yeah. sometimes I even visualize that. I, I sit and I look at my blank piece of paper and I go into my mind and I say, okay, I'm opening the door. What's in there? And normally stuff comes out if I allow it to have that space to go somewhere. <laughs> so so that's how I deal with the your, block. Um... Tell us about your, your new book on the disconnectedness of everything. Uh, 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 connecting with kids in a, in a disconnected world. Well, yeah. what I found out is that, is that the more and more children are involved in social media um, and not only necessarily, uh, you know, uh, uh, products like iPhones, iPads and that kind of stuff, but the more involved in social media, the more disconnected. So basically what I'm saying, especially to a lot of adults is, you know, how do we put down the phone and creatively connect with, with children, not necessarily our own, but kids we come in contact with, kids we teach, kids that... that yeah. uh, so the whole thing is, and it's a lot of it is case histories. I've worked a lot with terminally ill children. My, my, I, I, I uh, am the doctor of mischief in some hospital settings when I go, and I use creativity to uh, explore the trauma that children are going through by giving them um, a space to express maybe just visually what sometimes they can't verbally share. Right. And I've done that in, re- in refugee camps. And uh, I'm actually next two weeks time, I'm going to an orphanage in South Africa. I go there every year for a month. And uh, just, we just, we creatively express and it's, it's so beneficial. So that's what that, that book is about the case histories of that, uh, that part of my life where I'm uh, sharing, uh, well, thank you uh, using for coming, creativity. Trevor. I am so grateful for you to come back on the show. <laughs> and uh, how can people reach you? How can they find out more? How can and you know you can go ahead and just tell us your website and everything because I know they're going to need your books. 
Absolutely. It's, it's very simple. It's trevorromaine.com. And so there's no E on Romaine. It's, it's not the letters. It's, it's <laughs> minus one letter. So it's trevorromaine.com. And all the info is on there, including my new podcast, which is going to be coming out in January. So Beautiful. it's on there too. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much.